What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bedeira. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Welcome to Forward Thinking. Hey there and welcome to Forward Thinking, the podcast that looks at the future and says, I texted you on a Monday, but you did not get my text until Tuesday because of a network problem. I'm Jonathan Strickland. I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And I'm Joe McCormick. Did that problem have to do with the tubes? Uh, yes, yes. The I can't believe I made a tubes joke. No, I take it back. I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry. You've we're been on around the radio, long and the radio is forever. <laughs> no, right. no, 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 no. I apologize. Easy jokes beneath me. We're going to talk about chatbots today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've talked about chatbots before, right? We've talked about them in a couple different episodes. We talked about chatbots, we talked about AI, we talked about Turing tests, we talked about machine learning. All of those topics are going to play a part in our discussion today. And speaking of easy jokes that are beneath us, we are talking specifically today about Tay tweets. Yes, Microsoft Tay. <laughs> uh, yeah, Tay, Tay, we, we, we hardly knew ye. In fact, I, I doubt anyone really knew ye. <laughs> I didn't find out about Tay until Tay was already gone. I, yeah, I found out yeah. about Tay while Tay was still active, but I never messaged Tay. And the only reason I found out about Tay was because I had been invited to be a guest on a show called Tech News Today. And that was one of the news items that they covered. And uh, I had been very busy in our day-to-day work and had not followed along. So when I when I heard about it, it was before all the craziness unfolded. And we'll get into what the craziness was. To be fair, though, even at ground, like square one, it seems to me like Tay was probably not the most thought out project Microsoft has ever launched. And I'm including Microsoft Bob in that. Ooh. Yeah. Ouch. That's a, that's a sick burn for those yeah. who know what Microsoft Bob was. Okay. Tell me more. <laughs> All right. Well, 
Now that we we got our little rascals reference out of the way, uh, so according to Microsoft, Tay is quote an artificial intelligent chatbot developed by Microsoft's technology and research and Bing teams. Oh, good to experiment with and conduct research on conversational understanding. Um, I know some people would probably start to argue with the word intelligent that was in that description based upon some of the things that were happening with Tay. Now, that description doesn't exactly capture what the public saw of Tay. Because right. the public-facing incarnation of Tay was specifically a Twitter account. Well, Twitter account was the primary one. Uh, right. Yeah, uh, she or it. I, I, I get very confused about referring to AI because they're robots. Robots don't have genders. But Tay was impersonating a 19-year-old girl, so yeah. or woman. Uh, yeah. I, also, it, when when at what age is an AI a woman? I don't know these things. <laughs> not, Are not, there rites of passage? Not for, yet. Okay. Not yet an AI. No longer. <laughs> no yeah. longer a girl type of thing. Okay. She while, she was a young adult AI. Okay. Uh, while I can continue to go through this this oddly misplaced feeling of, of cultural doubt. shame. Yeah. Um, yes, she was also on Group Me yep. and uh, Kick and Kick. What, so what are what are you even talking about? Right, so Group about? Me, Lauren and I know all about Group Me. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, we happened to use Group Me while we were in Austin for South by Southwest. So Group Me is essentially like a very contained version of Twitter. It's it's a collection of uh, cell phone numbers, essentially, so that you can send a, a message to the group me, which includes multiple people. Everyone receives that message and everyone can respond to it. Uh, yeah, it's a fancy group messaging system that also has a little bit of capacity to like cute stuff like you can uh, upload a picture and um, immediately place meme style text on it. Yeah, it, it used to be that it was just group texting. So when I started seeing the pictures popping up with all the memes, uh, I immediately went into old man mode and got really confused. Kick is also an instant messaging platform. Uh, it's based off the BlackBerry Messenger platform. So it's all three of these are different ways to send out messages to typically groups of people, not not like a one-on-one -on -one thing necessarily. Although I think Kick can can sometimes fall into that category. But um, honestly, before we even get into to more of the the weirdness here, uh, from the get-go, I felt odd about the idea of framing an AI within the context of not only a gender but an age, kind of like you were saying, Lauren. Mm -hmm. I, I, Most of the time when I think of AI, unless you're specifically trying to create something that's going to pass a Turing test and therefore fool someone into thinking it's an actual yeah, person. Yeah, I was going to say this sounds like some Eugene Gustman kind of trickery. Yeah, and we'll talk about Gustman in a minute, too. Uh, unless you're doing that, there's not really – I don't see a purpose to giving – a gender and age to an AI, uh, other than maybe there's some studies perhaps that suggest humans are more likely to have a natural interaction with someone that they can kind of kind of categorize in some way. And I don't know if that if that research even exists. That's just me taking wild shots in the dark. Um, but I personally thought I would be very reticent to send a message to an entity that had been more or less identified as a 19-year-old female, even just to see how it was working, because I'm a 40-year-old man, and yeah. I don't think sending messages to, to an entity that's less than half my age, like, it just feels inappropriate from the, from the start to me, even though I know it's not a person. Right. It, yeah. It automatically yeah. made me feel kind of squidgy. It, well, sure. It, it, it's just putting putting a strange basis from from our point of view, perhaps. I mean, and, and the the bot was supposedly geared towards people, uh, I think, 18 to 24. Yeah. So, so, so it wasn't meant for me in the first place. Sure. But it wasn't designed by people who are 18 to 24. No. I think it's fairly safe I, to say. I think it was designed by people closer to my age and that. That is one of the many problems that Tay has. So, yes. <laughs> so uh, Slightly odd thing, but perhaps a conversation for another day. Yeah. So at any rate, Tay, uh, like you said, 18 to 24-year-olds, that was the target demographic because Microsoft had identified that as the demographic that most frequently uses mobile-based social uh, media things like social messengers. And um, and that's really where they were looking to kind of increase this ability for AI to understand conversational English, things things that go beyond uh, very simple uh, 
prescribed commands. Okay, so in practice, what does this look like? What exactly was Tay doing? So in practice, you would send Tay a message on one of these platforms, either GroupMe, Kick, or Twitter. Yeah. And then Tay would respond to you. Uh, if it was on Twitter and things were particularly busy, Tay would tell you to, to send a direct message because otherwise it would just get kind of lost in the crush. Obviously, if you unleash something like this to the world at large and you let it be known that it's out there, you're going to get a huge response, right? Especially from Twitter. So Mostly consisting of mischief. And I'm sure we'll talk about that some more later. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, this was, you know, that was exactly the case. So they released it to try and see uh, what would happen, how Tay would start to uh, incorporate different types of language in her replies, how she would be able to interpret different things that were said to her. Uh, they started with a baseline where Microsoft had essentially mined a ton of publicly available data. So I, I, my guess is would be public tweets would probably mm-hmm. be a big one, right? They identify the demographic that they're looking at. They mine the sort of communication that these uh, these folks that are within that demographic tend to send And they use that as the model for Tay's communication. And then the idea was to build upon that. Uh, So, you know, you mentioned Guzman talking about the fact that, uh, you know, we've got this context of a 19-year-old female uh, persona for Tay. With Eugene Guzman, that was one of the AI programs that, quote-unquote, passed the Turing test. We talked about this in a previous episode uh, in which – uh, it was a an AI that was mimicking a 13-year-old Ukrainian boy, a non-native English speaker. And that meant that uh, the people who were uh, uh, interviewing this entity over a, over a computer, uh, they were aware that they were supposedly talking to a human boy, 13 years old, non-native English speaker, uh, limited exposure to things like pop culture that would have come before he was born. So in other words... It checked people's expectations Mm -hmm. of what this particular uh, AI would be capable of doing. Uh, Sure. And similarly, I think the part of the concept for Tay was probably that you have certain expectations for how a 19-year-old woman is going to behave on Twitter. And it probably involves uh, the use of of emojis and um, uh, not full grammatical sentences. No capital letters whatsoever. Uh, certainly. Um, a cer- certain truncating of, of thoughts and ideas, mm-hmm. um, a, a certain inquisitiveness probably uh, are, are the stereotypes of that sort of age yeah. group. It was to a point, and to be fair, I've only looked at a sampling of some of the things Tay has said. But it was to a point where I thought I thought it was venturing on the border of parody, right? I, I It was starting to feel like it was... Um, maybe someone my age's preconception of what a person would, how a person would constantly be communicating. Uh, and again, that could just be my own bias going into it because there were a lot of things where I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, I'm sure there are many people who do communicate this way, but it feels weird to have built something specifically to communicate in this way. Not that I necessarily thought that she would need to speak in full sentences with perfect grammar, but just it, it, it almost felt like someone outside of that group trying to uh, create language in a in a in a like a like a lame dad trying to sound like a cool dad in front yeah, of his teenagers. Yeah, that's pretty much that's kind of how I felt. Now, again, I'm not a I'm not 20 years old anymore, so maybe I'm just totally out of touch, and it was fine for people who are are of that age, and they didn't see anything different about it. I no, nowadays 20-year-olds love linguistic interlopers from the older generation. <laughs> oh, it's fair. Oh, is that a trend? Uh-huh. That's, yeah. that's 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 how those that's millennials, how I was. that's how they are. That's how I was when I was 20. I mean, we Gen Xers, we we appreciated a good, you know, talk in, about interlo- in, interloping, interlocution, inter interlocutors. interlocutors. <laughs> they love it almost as much as they love being talked down to about economics. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, getting back to what Microsoft was trying to do, Microsoft's blog actually uh, kind of outlined what Tay was meant to do. Tay is designed to engage and entertain people where they connect with each other online through casual and playful conversation. The more you chat with Tay, the smarter she gets. 
So the experience can be more personalized for you. That's so, a quote. From so she was supposed to learn. It's kind of like uh, in uh, Terminator Two, where you know the the Terminator yeah. has a, a his brain is a learning computer. The more he interacts with humans, the more he learns how to be one. Right. So that and way so, he knows to say "hasta la vista, baby." Right. And in the end, he could even learn to love, maybe. But. <laughs> And give let's a say, up. let's say you <laughs> sort of took a page from the Edward Furlong book, uh, in Terminator 2, in which he teaches him how to say rude phrases to people, and you tried this out with something like Tay. You could get some very sad and very funny results. Right. And if you get enough of them, you can have so much of an influence that it starts to really change how, how Tay starts to behave toward everyone, right? Like, yeah. you're, you know, the, the beautiful thing about using something like Twitter for machine learning is that you have an enormous wealth of data at your disposal. Yeah. The problem is when people are aware of it and they are the ones supplying the data and they can make that data whatever they want, they can purposefully misdirect your efforts to go in a direction they think is hilarious. Yeah, it's investing in quantity rather than quality. Yeah. And and to be fair, I mean, this, this relationship was a little weird from the get-go. Microsoft was using Tay to look at things like you would have a little profile. And Tay would recognize stuff on your profile, like whatever your handle or nickname was, mm-hmm. uh, your gender, uh, your favorite food, your zip code, um, and uh, – you know, your relationship status, which I think is also a little creepy for why does an AI need to know if I'm single or not single? That seems a little like like messages you would get from an artificially intelligent chat, like, you know, hang in there or whatever it may be. Seems a little weird. Oh, maybe, you know, maybe Tay is particularly interested in relationship counseling as a possible career. Well, she needs to really work on her delivery skills then because Tay started getting a little uh, out of hand. So... Let's let's before we really talk about what went wrong, the chaos. Yeah, let's talk about what ideally would have happened had had things played out the way Microsoft seems to have intended it. Well, you said uh, you said it that she was supposed to be learning from a massive store of data, which is natural conversation on the internet. Right, and so that was supposed to be something that the computer program could analyze and say, okay, I'm getting a very generalized picture of how people talk. Right. Mm -hmm. And how they talk to each other in in response to specific phrases and questions and and other little bits of linguistic cues. Right. Which is not inherently a bad idea. No, no. And, and, And going further than that, how different Thoughts can be expressed or, or the same thought rather can be expressed in very different ways, which is very useful if you're going to incorporate that kind of conversation understanding in a digital assistant. Oh, yeah. Right? yeah, That's that's like the problem in 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 language in machine language and in, in language learning, because you because the kind of conversation that we have where we've said this a lot of times on the show before, but where we can say one thing in in if not dozens, then hundreds or thousands of different ways and have another human understand them as long as they're conversational in the same language. Uh, that's that's real hard for computers. Yeah. It's what you call not easy. Right. So that's why usually we have to conform to the limitations of machines, right? We have to be able to express our commands in a way that machines understand, which might not come naturally to us. And as we get better and better with machines understanding conversation, we have to do less work, right? We don't have to accommodate the machines. They just understand us. That's the goal. So that's what we wanted to have happen, or at least what Microsoft wanted to have happen. It's not what Twitter wanted to have happen or, you know, the other folks who are using Kick or GroupMe. Um, what they wanted to do was to perhaps exercise a little bit of control and power over something and direct it for uh, their own amusement. So you could do things with Tay that weren't particularly, you know, uh, uh, malicious or mischievous. <laughs> like you could ha- ask her to tell you a joke or tell you a story. She would play games with you. She would create uh, memes like we were talking about with GroupMe. She could mm-hmm. do memes with uh, pictures She'd as well. She'd use GIFs. Yeah. So you could actually have these kind of interactions. Uh, but you could do other stuff too. Um, like you could make her say things. Like you could tell her to repeat stuff. Now – before I let's talk a little bit about some of the the phrases she would use on her own. Here's here's a couple of sample tweets she sent out. Um, this is sort of the way Tay's baseline worked before she got uh, corrupted, 
I guess is probably the best way of putting it. Uh, OMG, totes exhausted. Swagulated too hard today. HBU, which I assume is how about you? Uh, Lauren's nodding yes, so. It's not Habu? I mean. Habu? It could be. (laughs) That's my favorite question to ask people. Uh, Another one uh, was, uh, damn, TBH, I was kind of distracted. You got me. I'm like, okay, I, I can, these are, I can see these, these tweets. I see where it's coming from. Uh, you know, that's kind of the baseline again, sort of the, the way Tay would react to, to people just trying out Tay, you know, sending messages to her normally. Uh, but then came all the trolls, all the people who think it's hilarious to mess with a system that they have some input into. So, uh, one thing they would do is make Tay repeat stuff. So a lot of the, a lot of the tweets you've probably seen, if you've followed the story of Microsoft Tay saying horrible, horrible, racist the things. Very, the very worst things are probably things that someone had repeat back. Yeah. Uh, you can imagine. Generally approving of Hitler. Yes. The Godwin's law was, was, was yeah. fulfilled almost immediately. Um, so yeah, uh, making her repeat stuff back was easy. You didn't, she didn't necessarily quote unquote understand it. She was responding to a command, which was to say this thing that I'm telling you to say. This is very similar to a program I used to have as a kid. Um, and it was very similar to Eliza, one of the early chatbots. So there was a, uh, a sound card for the old PCs called Sound Blaster. And one of the pieces of software that came with Sound Blaster was this uh, program called Dr. Spatzo. Dr. Spatzo was essentially Eliza, except he talked like this, you know, and you could ask Dr. Spatzo questions. He would try to psychoanalyze you. So he would answer everything with his own question. But you could also make him say stuff. Mm-hmm. So he would say say, and then you put things in quotation marks. He'd say whatever you wanted him to say. And much amusement ensued. Yes, because I was a kid and I just thought it was funny to make my computers say really rude things. Mostly just mild curse words because I was a pretty boring kid. Oh, yeah, yeah. You didn't have the imagination to make him approve of Hitler. Yeah, I didn't. I, I got to admit, I never made Dr. Spatzos out like a, a Nazi sympathizer. It never uh-huh. occurred to me as a kid. Weird. Kids today, man, they are miles ahead of me. Uh, so... That's that's what we started to see. We saw people starting to have her repeat stuff. And not only was she repeating it, she was starting to learn. Mm-hmm. So she would start to respond to people and incorporate some of the stuff that she had been told to repeat over and over again. Not consistently either. Sometimes she would make one statement to a person where she'd essentially equate something like feminism with being the most evil concept in the world. And then she would send another message to someone else where she's, she'd say something like, oh, no, feminism is great. So uh, not consistent across all messaging either. Oh, well, and it also I, I would I mean, I, I don't know how the programming works, but I would argue that that the program probably didn't understand any of the topics right. that were being thrown at it. Like, I mean, probably a few a few clue words like like, hey, how are you means I'm supposed to say something about how I'm doing. Right. Um. But I, you know, I don't think that it was taught what feminism is. I don't think yeah, that it had right. an opinion on feminism. I <laughs> right. think that, you know, it was just testing out an answer to a question. You say, what do you think about feminism? And it, it's like, oh, this is a question about what I think. Say it's good or bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I get the sense that these are text strings for it. It's not right. a, it's not a semantic engine. In right. The- yes, exactly. Sure. Yeah. yeah. It, there was, there was, I agree. I don't think there was any understanding on the part of Microsoft Tay. Uh, in fact, that's one of the reasons why I really argue that people people who say this is a real warning about AI, that's BS. It's yeah. not a warning about AI. It's a warning about how people. It's a warning about real eye. Yeah, human regular nature. Regular eye. It's, it's a it's a warning about how how humans, when we are given the opportunity to mess with something, it can be really hard to resist that opportunity. And this is something that we've seen multiple times. Uh, so some other examples of stuff that you know she she. Blasted out xenophobic stuff, racist stuff, uh, homophobic stuff. Pretty much everything that was dark in human nature was spouted off by Tay in less also, than 24 hours. Also just plenty of regular old foul mouth dirtiness and pornography. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so uh, uh, yeah, I love that um, Gerald Meller on Twitter <laughs> wrote, Tay went from humans are super cool, which was 
like one of the first messages Tay talked about, uh-huh. to full Nazi in less than 24 hours. And I'm not at all concerned about the future of AI. Huh. Again, I would argue that this is not so much a case of worrying about where AI is going rather than how do you design a system that uses machine learning from crowdsourced data and factor out all the intentionally malicious misdirection. That's that's the question. That has nothing to do with AI. That has to do with understanding how people are, right? I, I yeah. see you've got some specific exchanges recorded in here. Uh, which one? Which are some that we can actually say? Uh, I, I like the Ricky Gervais one. Yeah. So Ricky Gervais. Uh, this one was. This one's not not as as jaw droppingly awful as some of the other things that she said. Uh, but uh, this was one of those where Tay actually came up with a response. She wasn't repeating something. Uh huh. So according to the Guardian, one exchange began. A user asked Tay, "Is Ricky Gervais an atheist?" Ricky Gervais is a comedian. Yes, and is. Very uh, 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 outgoing about being an atheist. Uh-huh. So, uh, so this person asked Tay, "Is Ricky Gervais an atheist?" And Tay replied, "Ricky Gervais learned totalitarianism from Adolf Hitler, the inventor of atheism." <laughs> so we get Hitler, we get totalitarianism. Uh, Hitler apparently invented the concept of being an atheist. Um, yeah. So um, it's sort of beautiful. Yeah, I mean that that's that's sort of a, a poetry of nonsense. I, I like the way these ideas are crammed together. <laughs> at least, at least in this one, there was nothing so like personalized. There wasn't like personalized hate. Yeah. Well, aside from against Ricky Gervais, who, who can yeah. take it? Who Come on, you've it, seen yeah. him. Not so nice it. to Ricky Gervais, not so, but Ricky Gervais, <laughs> and not think, not super factual. I'm but. pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Ricky Gervais would would. Use this as material in a stand-up, yeah. right? But but it's not something where it's it's centering out like uh, uh, a specific ethnic group, for group example, or right? Like so as you can guess, Microsoft looked at this and said, "Well, this is going swimmingly. Let's just leave her online." <laughs> no, oh they, no, wait, they, that's not what happened. They pulled the plug. <laughs> it took less than twenty-four hours for them to say, "You know what? We might need to revisit this after we think it through a little bit more." Yeah. Uh, they also well, were they just kind of put up a little curtain between <laughs> the internet and Tay for a bit. I like to think that the, the the little like technical difficulty sign came up. Uh huh. But um, real missing. Yeah. Like, yeah exactly. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so they uh, they also deleted a lot of the the particularly nasty tweets that Tay had made. She made. Several, a couple hundred thousand within that 24 hours, uh-huh. uh, which is more than even I have tweeted, which is saying something. What? I know, right? So uh, some people actually criticized Microsoft for deleting the tweets, saying that those messages should remain up to serve as a warning of the dangers of AI. But again, I don't think that's I don't think that's really a credible argument personally. Um, I think it's more of an uh, of a way of. Warning people about how nasty folks can get on on social media. Uh, Microsoft's response was that the AI chatbot Tay is a machine learning project designed for human engagement. As it learns, some of its responses are inappropriate and in- indicative of the types of interactions some people are having with it. We're making some adjustments to Tay. Well, I mean, that that seems accurate to me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely accurate. Um, she did come back online very briefly. About a little bit later on, uh, a couple Did of they days say later. That? I think they said that was an accident. It right? was completely an accident. Microsoft said that uh, they were testing her internally uh, in within Microsoft, not testing uh-huh. Tay's internal organs. She right. doesn't have any. She's cutting AI. her open. And, yeah. yeah, it wasn't anything like. I'm just now thinking like I'm putting the body of Cortana in there, just thinking of them slicing open a virtual Cortana to. Cortana is the character from uh, Halo, an artificial intelligent character from Halo. Also, oh, the name of. Oh, okay. Well, I, I imagine the second she came back online, people were trying to get her talking about Hitler again. You, well, yeah, they said that uh, that mostly the messages that were being sent weren't offensive, but there were still quite a few that did fall into that category of crazy, racist, Hitler-oriented tweets. So uh, at least some of them were still in that that camp, and Microsoft immediately shut her down again. Well, not immediately. It was after they realized it, because yeah. it was in the middle of the night when it happened. Oh, okay, okay. So yeah, a couple hours later, they they shut it back down. Uh, and I don't. Th- the surprise to me here is that Microsoft was surprised by this at all. Yeah, because yeah. we. I mean, I remember uh, PR uh, attempts to get crowdsourced information into 
marketing campaigns, that oh, kind of thing. Oh, it's a terrible yes. idea every time. Yeah. I remember – so I, I agree with what you're saying about how I, – I don't think this is really all that uh, illustrative of anything about artificial intelligence. But it is very illustrative of stuff about internet culture and about – what happens when you try to crowdsource things, especially when major companies try to crowdsource sure. things? Yeah. Uh, it, it, there is an inherent urge to mischief mm-hmm. that is always latent on the internet. And there are certain types of stimuli that draw it out more than other things. And I, I can admit to being, uh, very much a part of this in some scenarios. Now, I, I wouldn't go try to get Tay saying racist stuff, but. Sure. I do remember one time Coca-Cola uh, had a thing where they'd let you generate your own uh, memes. They'd let you make your own Coca-Cola animated GIFs oh, okay. uh-huh. that had uh, – so it would have like a Coke ad going in the background and you could enter your own text. And I guess what they were hoping people would be entering is I don't know like, you know, like – Like their next hey. big marketing campaign? <laughs> right. They'd have people putting in like, hey, Stacy, I love Coke to their friends. I, I don't know. Uh, like what good could come of this? So I actually, when they did that, I remember reading a very interesting article about testing all of the different things Coke wouldn't let you say. Right. And, <laughs> and, and they had a wide dictionary of no-no terms. They wouldn't let you talk. They wouldn't let you use curse words or slurs or mm. anything like that, obviously. And they also wouldn't let you talk about, uh, most, Obvious morbid topics that they didn't want you talking about Nazis or Hitler. They didn't want you talking about health problems mm-hmm. uh, or anything like that. But I, I felt dared to mess with it by this. So, right to, uh, to probe this, this, uh, these boundaries and find out ways to get around it. Yeah. So I remember, um, I remember figuring out that it wouldn't let you talk about demons in English. But Ooh. you could you could come up with phrases about demons in Latin that it would let you do. So I thought that was pretty fun. Yeah, I, I remember talking about this with you uh, earlier this week, and I said, yeah, I could imagine writing something like "Taste Sweet Oblivion" drink yeah, Coca Cola exactly, and like you know you could easily find ways around the 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 protective barrier there. Uh-huh. There are other examples too. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember this, but I, I remember actually following the story when it happened. Uh, Mars Incorporated several years ago, created this module for their Skittles webpage. And the module allowed tweets that contained the word Skittles to be uh, to be displayed on the homepage in more or less real time, like shortly after you posted <laughs> it. And it became abundantly clear early on that no one was vetting the tweets. No one was curating. It was just a straight feed from the Internet, uh, from Twitter, into the Skittles homepage. And all you had to do was include the word Skittles. So you could write anything you wanted to, put the word Skittles in there, it would show up on that homepage. There were some really funny ones. I think I even did one, if I'm not mistaken. I'd have to do a search on my Twitter history to find out when I said Skittles. You mean mean people weren't just saying really clever things about how they were tasting the rainbow? No, no. uh, I mean, I'm sure that made up a significant percentage of the tweets that showed up on the Skittles homepage. Genuine, earnest love for Skittles. Yeah. People just couldn't contain. They had to go straight to Twitter to share it. Or they were playing a game of Skittles and they were just confused why their game was being broadcast on a candy website. Uh, at, At any rate, there were all sorts of different posts that went up there, including ones that were offensive, obviously. So there were, pre- there's precedents, right? We've, we've, that's the thing that really puzzles me that Microsoft went forward with this without even taking into consideration the precedence that has been set with crowdsourced campaigns like this. I think especially on Twitter. Yeah. But, yeah. but, uh, but, but not, not even, not even only there. No, I mean, Microsoft itself had already had experience with this. In 2011, Microsoft launched a poll on Facebook. It was part of the Microsoft phone project. So it was one division within Microsoft. Uh, and they asked a question. They were saying, what is your favorite feature of the Nokia Lumia 800 phone? And you had some options to choose from, but you could type in your own option. Oh boy. And people did. <laughs> And uh, a lot of the options were like, there's not a, not a darn thing, that kind of thing. That's a very PC way of putting mm-hmm. the way they, they worded it. Yeah. Uh, so there were options that were very much, uh, not in line with Microsoft's marketing strategy. And those got lots and lots and lots of votes because people thought it was funny or they were dissatisfied with the product or both. 
So it's interesting to me that the same company that had experienced this back in 2011 would go forward in 2016 with a plan that had some of the the very same trappings there. Like it was almost set up to fail in that way. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those things where I think I think part of the the reason why there is this sense of mischief, one you're you're looking at entities that are much greater than yourself, right? Microsoft is enormous, a yeah. huge company. Just don't feel bad about it. Like if it had been a small yeah. business trying to say, hey, uh, make your own meme about our product, I, I don't think I would, would try to make memes about demons. Yeah. But it's Coca-Cola. I'm just not worried about them. I don't think my, my demon memes about Coke are really hurting Coke. Well, not only that, but I mean, depending upon you, you might actually have some very negative opinions about whatever the corporation is, right? Oh, sure, yeah. Like Microsoft, Microsoft's one of those companies that's very divisive. There, mm-hmm. I don't know that there are that many people who are super pro Microsoft, but I know people who are either Microsoft is a necessary evil; I need it for what I do, or I hate Microsoft so much. Right? right. That seems to be the case, except for maybe Xbox. Xbox players are like, no, I really love the Xbox, which I, I totally get. But um, uh, it's it's one of those things where you you that also encourages this mischief. Uh, but, yeah, when I one time when the NYPD I think tried to start a Twitter hashtag campaign. Do you uh-huh. guys remember that one? Oh no. yes, it yeah, I remember it, that. It didn't go well. It didn't turn out the way that they wanted it to. Yeah, I think they were trying to they were trying to crowdsource people. Uh, what were they trying to get them to do? To like tweet good experiences with yeah, the police yeah, with hashtag, or something? Hashtag my NYPD. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, see, yeah, giving giving a voice to a population uh, that may have legitimate criticisms to say, you got to be prepared for when that comes in, you know? I mean, people don't like being told uh, and prompted with the understanding that you need to say something positive about yeah. my massive organization. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah, that, right. yeah, it, even if you, even if you previously did like something, there is something that strikes most of us the wrong way when we're told we need, you know, you are required to say something positive about this thing. Even if you liked it before, just the thought that you are now being compelled to do it, there's that, most of us have a resistance <laughs> to that. that. That little, say, 19-year-old inside you just yeah. goes like, hey, I can mess with this. I, I guess I technically have two of those now. Now, I've seen Tay talked about in uh, reference to another interesting technology issue, which is the prevalence of uh, of female gendered digital assistants or digital embodied personalities. Yeah, yeah it's this is it's interesting. I I'm trying to think if there is a personal digital assistant I've heard apart from Siri, which you can you can have a male version of Siri. The the mm-hmm. British version is male. Yeah. Uh, and that's the one my wife has on her phone. Apart from Siri, I'm not aware of any of the major digital assistants that are not female. Cortana's female. Google Now's voice is fe- is female. You might be able to change that one. I don't know. Uh, Alexa for Amazon is female. So that's that's something that strikes me as weird, too. Uh, maybe they – I don't know what the psychology is behind that, what the market research says. I don't know. But it just – that also is odd. And for Microsoft in particular – this was a really troubling week for them because the same week that they launched Microsoft Tay and she goes off the reservation because she's been steered the wrong way by by malicious trolls, they were also dealing with a PR nightmare. Uh, there was the Game Developers Conference that was going on earlier that week. And uh, Phil Spencer, who's the head of Xbox, uh, actually came out and apologized for an Xbox-sponsored party. It took place in a nightclub um, and it was part of the Game Developers Conference overall event. Uh, at that party, they had a lot of scantily clad women dancing on platforms. And anyone who is at all aware of the climate within the video game industry right now knows that the sexual uh, objectification of women is a is a huge topic of discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, for- and, and particularly at conferences like that, it's been it's been talked. Very nearly to death, uh, just just the the, the concept of, of of hiring performers like that, mm-hmm. um, and not that there's anything wrong with being a performer like that, but it just it just paints it it paints the industry in a very particular way, right? And yeah, one that one that is not necessarily welcoming of uh, of of women's participation, right. As 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 brains rather than you know dancers. Yeah, right. I think it says sort of the assumed culture of our industry is sort of a. Uh, uh, 
Bro-town? Tradition, yeah, traditional hyper-masculine tech bro culture, mm-hmm. right? Which which perpetuates this unwelcoming environment for people who have very valuable skills and voices to add to that industry, yeah. but we're continuously denying them the opportunity, or or if not denying them, at least discouraging them, making from them feel unwelcome. Right. So this was this was like two strikes in a row for Microsoft as far as trying to to uh, work with the, these ideas that involve in some way gender. Like this not not great record for Microsoft in uh, March of 2016. So the question then is what's next? Well, what if I told you that Microsoft said, hey, now everyone can make one of these? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a great that's a great idea. <laughs> so the very same I'm not day, even sure I'm kidding. The very same day that Microsoft had to take Tay offline uh, there was the Microsoft Build Developer Conference, and the CEO of Microsoft, uh, Satya Nadella, announced that the company would make available the Bot Framework. That's all one word, Bot Framework. And Bot Framework is essentially the API that developers can use to create their own version of chatbots that can work on different sorts of platforms, including stuff like Skype, Slack, GroupMe, other messaging systems. Um, so very interesting that they had this very well publicized. I, I don't know that you could say any word other than failure uh, of of Microsoft uh, Tay kerfuffle. Kerfuffle would work. Um, this publicized kerfuffle of Tay, and then go out and say, "Hey, you can do it too." <laughs> um, now that being said, it, it it's entirely possible that you could roll out something along the lines of Microsoft Tay. And and have it unfold in a very different way than what we saw with Tay. Well, I mean, one option that uh, occurs to me, I don't, I don't know if this would be the case, but I think it's at least possible to consider that by putting more of these things out there, you would essentially – people would get it out of their system. Right. Like it would become less novel and less right. interesting to try to mess with a bot. Yeah, yeah. You're like eh. – I messed with a bot last week. I'll I'll not talk about Hitler to this one. Like yeah. it, to me, it would just make sense to essentially nullify the machine learning part of Tay's software while people are getting it out of their right. system. Let it go for a month and then take it off. And sure, you're not going to have as much engagement after that because people are going to get bored. But the people who are going to get bored are probably the ones you don't want engaging with the AI in the first place. Right. So, um, or you take another approach where you have like a, a controlled beta. Right, where you have a controlled uh, uh, audience that can interact with that AI, uh, and you are just very careful about monitoring it, and you encourage people to have, you know, natural conversation with the AI as close as they possibly can. But if there are any shenanigans popping up, you just you you squash it. It's a lot easier to do that if you have it under a controlled population than if you open it up to the world at large. Mm-hmm. Um, and Honestly, this is a really important field for Microsoft because this is a company that's going through a massive transition. Uh, the company, you know, you think, what are Microsoft's biggest uh, products? Windows and Microsoft Office. And those are for desktop computers and desktop computers and laptop computers have been in pretty serious decline compared to the mobile platforms. Mm-hmm. So Microsoft is trying to transition itself into more of a mobile platform company so that it can continue to grow and develop and evolve rather than become obsolete over time. Uh, they definitely don't want to turn into the picture of what Microsoft is in those old Apple versus Microsoft ads. All right. Uh, all respect to John Hodgman. Um, so I think I think it's I, – I understand where they're going. I think it was a misguided approach. Uh, slightly hilarious, slightly sad to see – the just the amount of abuse that was thrown mm-hmm. at Tay in order to corrupt her in this way, uh, but it, it it makes me curious to see how people are going to try and tackle this problem in the future because there is there is a lot of value to getting a grip on this natural conversation. Like we've said, it's something that could make uh, home automation incredibly effortless. Mm-hmm. Where you know you just you, you you could say something one of 20 different ways, but your house will totally understand what you mean and respond in kind. You know, another thing that actually just occurred to me is that I think in the future, 
a machine learning program that's supposed to, you know, gain insights about natural language from interacting with the public might actually have something useful to learn by dealing with tons of trolling and abuse. Like, I, I don't know if it's necessarily the case uh, that it that you should just turn off its learning part then. Hmm. Uh, certainly it shouldn't learn how to talk from these people and say, like, yes, this is a model of good conversation. But I'm not sure that there is nothing to be learned. There might be something to be learned. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, my thought is very vague here. but uh, No, no. I mean, especially uh... – uh, be, being the person super secret, you guys uh, listening out there, you, you two in the room know this. Um, I'm I'm the one who reads the YouTube comments for how stuff works. Oh no! Uh, yeah. Uh, so I see a pretty wide range of responses to a pretty wide range of topics from the general public on a daily basis, and and it's it's genuinely fascinating to me trying to suss out. Uh, what is trolling and what is sincere, mm-hmm. particularly in response to um, to videos that have been produced by our Stuff They Don't Want You to Know team, which deals with uh, fringe theories. Oh, sure. And there are a lot of responses in there that um, that that are, you know, th- there's this huge, bizarre contingency of flat earthers on YouTube. And I I seriously cannot figure out if they're trolling or not. I think a lot of them are, but that's, I think they are. this is a really great point. This yeah. is, this is a perfect, uh, jumping off from what I'm saying. Like, I think, uh, potentially sampling huge amounts of, of trolling and abuse could maybe lead into machine based insights on what's the difference between somebody messing with you and somebody having a seriously extreme opinion. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and of course, I mean, like you're saying, Lauren, it's hard for us to tell. Depending yeah. upon the cues that we have or mm-hmm. lack of cues. Yeah. And so, uh, this is a huge challenge, not just for AI, but for human intelligence, you know, just to, and anyone who's had that kind of miscommunication online understands that it can, it could legitimately happen without any intention on either party for it to be misinterpreted. Oh, absolutely. And and that kind of interpretive help, I think, would be would be terrific because, you know, especially speaking with people, uh, for, for whom, your language is not their first language. It can yeah. be very difficult to to have a clear conversation. And there have been times when, you know, I've, I've been like trying to answer someone's earnest question and they keep trying to rephrase it and I'm not getting it. And like Google Translate isn't getting it. And and it's just like, all I want to do is tell you how your fingernails grow. But I don't I don't know that that's the question you're asking. Right. Oh, like so that, that kind of thing. The the hope I have is that once the fire has has died down at Microsoft trying to handle this this PR issue. They can go over that kind of data and can actually glean stuff from it because it would be really, as you point out, genuinely useful. And uh, I, I would love to see something positive come out of this experience and not just have it be another, uh, oh, those wacky PR people or wh- however you want to frame it, like the Skittles stuff, right? Like, like uh, something beyond just confirming what we already know, which is that people like to stir crap up when they have the opportunity. Um, I would love to see that. I hope that that's what happens. And I hope that people who were behind Microsoft Tay, the people who were developing it, uh, aren't being held to the fire for what happened, even though I do think that at least some of it could have been predicted from day one. But that's, that's another, that's another point entirely. At any rate, that is the tragic comedy of Microsoft Tay, mm-hmm. uh, as it stands right now. We're recording this March 31st, 2016. So perhaps by the time this episode goes live, there will be more developments. But uh, just thought it was an interesting story and one that I think has implications far beyond just uh, Internet-based AI. This also, I think, gives lessons to roboticists who are trying to figure out how to design human robotic interactions that are going to be acceptable and work and not create more problems. Cause that's a, that's a fascinating area of study that relies more upon human psychology than actual robotic ability. And, and when you see things like this happen as, a, as someone who designs robots, I imagine they have to sit there and think, Ooh, we might need to rethink some of our approaches because People people are willing to mess with stuff in certain contexts. Perhaps we need to take that into account in our design so that we can head that off before it becomes a problem. Um, so fascinating, really. 
But at any rate, if you guys have any suggestions for future episodes of Forward Thinking, please send them our way. Send us an email. Our address is fwthinking at howstuffworks.com. You can drop us a line on Twitter. Our handle is fwthinking. Um, we will respond without being Tay-like at all, I promise. Or you can go to Facebook, search FW Thinking. Our profile will pop right up and you can leave us a message there. And we will talk to you again really soon. For more on this topic and the future of technology, visit forwardthinking.com. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Su. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.